Genesis chapter 18 and verse 16. When you got it, say so. And it says, Then the men rose from there and looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah, and, and, and Abraham went with them to send them on their way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his, his children and his household after him, that they keep the word, that they may keep the way of the Lord, and to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Lord, we thank you so much for this day, Lord God. We thank you for your word that is truth. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your power and your presence that are with us. And Lord God, I just want to say again, above everything else, Lord God, thank you for being a good father. Thank you for being the father of the fatherless. Thank you for showing us how to be fathers. And thank you for being a gracious father that even when we fall short in our fatherhood, you, Lord God, rise for us in us and you give us grace, Lord God, to stand again. Lord, I thank you for every dad that is in this place and I pray a special blessing upon them in this day. I pray, Lord God, above all things, that all of us would be open to hearing what your spirit is saying to your church. And I just pray that you be glorified in these next few moments, Lord God. I pray these things in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, Amen. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not, do not have an outline, please raise your hand. Just hold it up really quickly. Um, and we want to make sure that everybody gets an outline if you don't have one. It's good um, for you to be able to take some notes. Um, good for you to be able to answer the questions that are in there. It's good for you to be able to follow along with us as we um, go through the scriptures um, this morning. And as I always like to encourage, the Bible says that we are supposed to make disciples, right? And so as disciple makers, the way that we make disciples is we disseminate the information that we're receiving. We share that with others. And so as you're taking notes, as you're writing down the things that are being spoken of, you are going to be able to utilize that in helping to make or help someone else grow in their faith as a believer in Christ. And so this is a good one um, for anybody who has some friends that are fathers, anybody who knows someone that's going to be a dad, I would encourage you to take some good notes for them um, just to encourage, you know, um, brothers to be fathers. And so today I want to talk not about leaving a legacy. I want to talk about living a legacy. And I think, that there's a, I think that there's a difference, in, and the reason why I say that is because when I think about leaving a legacy, it's, it's, it can be, you know, misconstrued where I'm looking um, later on, like me doing some things later on. But what I want you to realize is that, you know, you need to go ahead and live a legacy. As a man, as, as a woman, as, you know, anyone in this place, you need to live a legacy. But today, just like on Mother's Day, ladies, y'all remember Mother's Day? I spoke to you specifically, and I spoke to everyone in general. So today, I'm going to speak to the men specifically. Amen? And so we're going to encourage the dads. We want to encourage every man in this place to be the man that God has called them to be, right? And so today, as you look at your outline here, being a parent is one of the greatest privileges and responsibilities God has given to us. For a man, being a father is one of the greatest honors we will ever know. And I thought about this, and I wish that I would have thought about it earlier because I probably thought about this like at 1130 last night, and I'm pretty sure that I couldn't have texted anyone and gotten this done. But I would love to have just seen a collage of pictures to just play behind us of all of the precious moments that we have captured with dads with their children's. 
I mean, it's just a beautiful thing. You know, I see some of the pictures um, that were shared on Facebook and things like that. I think about, you know, my, my, my own pictures with my son and with my daughter and just those precious moments. And I, don't, and I don't know, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, it is the greatest. I'm not, I'm not going to get into all that debate. But I know one of the greatest honors is me being a dad. And so for you as a man in this place, you know, as a young man, you may not be a dad yet. And, you know, some people are like, oh, I'm not going to have kids. Listen, you don't know what you're missing. Amen. Glory to God. There, you know, we, we, we joke about the negative stuff, and, you know, we saw all the jokes, you know, of, you know, coming home late and, you know, leaving clothes all over the place. Amen. Glory to God. Like, we don't have closets and drawers and hangers. Glory to God. But nonetheless, you know, we, we look at all of those things that, you know, sometimes come out as the negative, but the reality is there's no greater honor than that, and to be able to be a dad, I mean, that, that's a great, great honor. And so, looking at this, at this outline, the second thing I want you to notice here is there are some staggering statistics regarding the results of fatherlessness. I want you to think about this. 30 to 45 homes woke up, or 30 to 45 percent of homes woke up without a father, and nearly half of them have never seen their dad. See, a lot of times we take for granted the fact that for, for those of us that have a dad in our home, and you know, sometimes we can't stand him, and he gets on our last nerve, and can't wait to you know not have to listen to him anymore. We take for granted the reality that, like, like, lots of people woke up today and they didn't have a dad. We take for granted that there's even people that come to church. I remember when I was about 8, 10 years old, somewhere like that, on a Father's Day Sunday, coming to church, everybody's rejoicing with their dad. And I remember walking out of that service asking my grandmother, why don't I have a dad? Remember that? She, what's she going to say? She has no answer. But the truth is, we can take that for granted easily that, you know, God has given us these dads, these amazing men. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, we, we beat up men, don't we? Hello. You know, we beat, <laughs> we beat up men because they're so strong and they're, you know, all this and that. And we beat them up instead of building them up, right? We, we, you know, we belittle them instead of, and I'll talk about that a little bit more. But I want you to think about that statistic. Look at some more statistics here. The other one is that 63% of youth suicides are connected with fatherless homes. 63%. 90, look at this, 90% of our runaways today are people from fatherless homes. 71% of our dropouts are people from fatherless homes. And look at this last one. The number one, number one common denominator of those on death row is a lack of a father. Now, I read these statistics because I want you to realize something. And in this last paragraph here, looking at these statistics, we need to realize how vital men are in the culture, in our homes, and in our churches. Hear me when I say this. That's the first thing that I want you to get. And, and I, and I, I want to say this again. I'm not going to say this. I probably won't say this again. I may say it again. Who knows? But I, pr I plan not to say this. I want you to understand, I am not in any way, shape, or form trying to say women are not important. Are you hearing me? All right. In no way, shape, or form am I trying to say that women do not play a vital role in the lives of their children. And, I mean, my goodness, I mean, I, I wouldn't be the man that I am today if I didn't have an amazing mom. Hello. You know, the truth of the matter is many of us would not be, and so it's not about that. But I want you to realize how important men are in the culture, how important men are in the church, how important men are in our lives. Men matter. They matter. And see, what I want you to realize, the enemy has done, the second thing I want you to realize is that the enemy has done all he can to attack masculinity, belittling men, and abandoning the scriptural call for male leadership and for men to be men. Listen, it's important that we realize that God made us male and female. Different. 
Are you hearing me? Men need to be men, glory to God. Women need to be women. We need to make sure we understand. God created us that way for a purpose. He created us that way. He made us different, right? Boys, you know, I mean, I have a son. My son, he apologizes much differently than my daughter did. Hello. I'm just saying. And it's not like someone taught him, like, you know, he just, he's different. His apologies are different. He's like, I'm sorry, says he. You know? He's typically, the only reason why, listen, the only reason why my son cries when he's apologizing is because he knows he don't want to get beat. And I can attest to this because when I, was, when I was younger, I remember doing something very bad to my brother, crying after I did it. Not because I was so sorry, but I was like, man, I'm about to get whooped. <laughs> and so I was hoping that the tears would get, a, you know, a sympathy beating. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like hopefully. But, you know, typically guys don't feel it the same way that a woman feels it, right? And, and guys, you know, when they apologize, they like, you know, they don't want to look at each other. I don't know, can, can any man in this place attest to this, right? Like, like when I come apologize, like I'm like, man, dude, I'm sorry, bro, my bad. Like, you know, I, I mean, I, I love text messaging because it's, it's easy to apologize through text. But I hate text apologies, you know? So, you know, you gotta, we got to just get past that. But the reality is, right, the truth of the situation is boys are different. Girls, they apologize. They want to look at each other, kiss each other, all that kind of stuff. Boys are not like that. Like, yo, bro, I'm sorry, my bad, and we walk away. Right? And we felt that like there was there was something. But we have to realize that we're different. We're different. You know, I heard somebody say this and I thought that this was this was cool. And let me say that I, I appreciate I appreciate all the teachers. We have, you know, we have teachers. Can we give God a hand for the teachers that we have? You know, they do a hard job. You know, they do, I mean, they're they're in there working with our kids. But you know, most teachers are female, right? And you wanna know what happens is? What happens is female teachers wanna help boys be more sensitive. I'm not trying to bust on the female teachers. Hello, somebody, right? But they want them to apologize a certain way. They want them to act a certain way. And so what we need to do is, listen, men, you know, you want, let's get some men teachers, amen? Amen, yeah. amen glory to God. <laughs> get some men teachers up in there. But, but listen, you know, that goes for children's church. That goes for, you know, real life scenarios. You know, just, just having some people that understand the importance of men and that we, we, we can build up our young men. I think so important. Last, la- last line here in that last paragraph on your outline there. The church desperately needs to recapture God's heart for developing and discipling men. This has to happen. Like, we need to get the mindset, you know, and, and, and really, and I, I, um, in, men's, in, in the men's ministry that I go to on Tuesday mornings, um, we go to a study there. And one of the things that um, Pastor Pete, you know, he's, he's he passed for 23 years. You know, he's, he's, he's pro-man. I mean, he, he wants men to become the men that God has called them to be. And one of the things that he points out is that when you look back generations, and I've shared this before, you know, people thought church was for women and children. Not for men. Ladies go to church on Sunday. Bring the kids to church so I can have a day to myself. So I can do the things that I want to do. And the reality is it's not like that. Because what, and, and, and I'll tell you part of the reason is because, and I hate to say it like this, but it's just a reality, we feminize church. Mm-hmm. And so we want to make sure that we are, we are capturing the heart of God, which is to raise up the men in the church, to build the men up. And let me say this, as I told you, we're talking about living a legacy, not just leaving a legacy. Hear me when I say this. This is the big idea that I want you to get today. You will only leave what you live. You will only leave what you live. All right? I don't care what you say. I don't care what you want to communicate. I don't care what you hope people get. 
I'll put it like this. I don't care what you're praying people get. Here's what I want you to know. You will only leave as a man, as a woman, as a person. You will only leave what you live. One of the worst things that you ever communicate to someone is the, the old saying, you know, don't do as I do, do as I say. You know why? Because they're only going to listen to you so long, then they're going to start imitating you. It's just the reality. You know, you can show someone, hey, you know, don't do this. This isn't good for you. Then why are you doing it? Don't don't act this way. Why are you acting that way? If it is not okay for me. In our home, listen, if you don't know this by now, I'm a very loud guy. Hello, somebody. Right? Like, I am always, like, amped. You know, my wife is always telling me, babe, calm down, because I'm just, like, I'm, I'm zero to 60, like, quick, right? And so I'm intense, but I have to be careful. And, you know, when Alexis was younger, like, I felt like I was really being sanctified in that area, you know, of being not so intense, because I started to see how quickly she got intense. And then my wife and I looking at each other, like, that's because of us, because we're so intense. Now I have a son, amen. And I'm being re-sanctified in this area, right, to try to not be so intense because, you know, this, this is what the reality is. It's I'm going to leave what I'm living, not just what I'm saying. I can tell them, hey, don't yell. Why are you yelling, Dad? I can tell them why, you know, don't blow off the handle. Why are you blowing off the handle, Dad? You know, my, my daughter, she wrote me a funny card. I was going to bring it. I was going to read it, but she wrote, it had me laughing. And she said, you know, I love when, you, when you're in the car and you talk about the non-drivers, you know, those people on the road that are non-drivers, like, where did you get your license? Like, those people are non I hope you're not a non-driver. Glory to God. But, you know, nonetheless, just those people that just don't know how to drive. So when I'm driving in my, in my not-so-calm way, I'm like, why am I behind this non-driver? And my daughter is always cracking up. She's like, Dad, let's just keep it calm. <laughs> Glory to God. You will only leave what you live. And so the first thing I want you to repeat after me about Abraham, we're going to look at his life. We're going to look at this guy, not every single detail, but we're going to look at some stuff in his life that will give us some good examples. And the first thing is this. Say, Abraham was a man who lived by faith in God's grace. Abraham was a man who lived by faith in God's grace. Now, I know we're in chapter 18. Just go back to chapter 12 really quickly because I want you to see something that is inspirational for us looking at the life of Abraham. And so it says here in chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, his name was not Abraham yet, his name is still Abram. It says, Get out of your, fa- out of your country. Look at this. Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Another translation says, to a land that you know not. And and verse 2 says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And look, I want you to pause for a moment, because if you were to read verses 2 and 3, that's amazing, right? He said, like, God comes and tells you, you know, I mean, everybody everybody wants to hear this, right? God, like, the bless me blessings, you know. Um, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing I mean that's awesome like you're in prayer and you're like falling out because the Holy Ghost is speaking to you right like God I can't believe you're speaking these things to me verse 3 I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you and so that's like yo you got my back that's great and he says and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed that's beautiful but can I tell you something nobody wants to hear verse 1 I want you to know what 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 precedes This blessing, this communication that we all want to hear is these words. He says, get out of your country. Okay, I don't want to hear that. I know some of y'all are thinking that way about the next election. (laughs) Depending on who makes it, I might have to leave. 
Either way, you might have to leave. I'm just saying. Anyway. Um, whoo, glory to God. So maybe y'all do want to hear this part. You're like, yes, Bishop, Lord, speak to me. Tell me to leave my country, glory to God. All right, let me, let me, let me move on. But this one you do not want to hear. I promise you. And maybe some of y'all do want to hear this, but most of you don't want to hear this. From your family and from your father's house, look what he says, to a land I will show you. Like I said, the reason why I said another translation, to a land you know not, is because it's like saying, look, I'm not even going to tell you where you're going. Just leave here. Leave what you know. Leave everything that you have, have, have had comfort in, that you've had strength. Leave that and go to a place that I'm going to show you. Just, just trust me. And I'm going to do all these other things for you. So, he, so what does he do in verse 4? Verse 4 says, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken. Say, as the Lord had spoken. As the Lord had spoken to him. And then it says, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he had departed from Haran. So his father's house, he left the thing that he knew. And so he is a man that shows us what? So as men, if we're going to be men that are going to live this legacy, right, we need to be men who follow in the footsteps of our father Abraham. And I use Abraham this morning because he's known as the father of faith. And so he's the man that demonstrates faith. And so we as men, right, the vision of Faith Doma Fellowship is to please the Lord in all things, right? And I say this in the vision carrier class, it is to please the Lord in all things, right, in, 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 in a display of obedience. Obedience. The way that we please God by faith is what? It's by lives of obedience to the written and revealed direction of the word of God. And so Abram, look, I want you to think about who he was and what he knew. Abraham was, and just like all of his father, uh, all of his fathers, he was an idol worshiper. God calls him. He responds to the Lord in faith. And I want you to get this. Faith is not solely an assurance, but an assurance that leads to obedience. Let me say that again. Faith is not only an assurance, but it is an assurance that leads to obedience. So when I say that I have faith in God for something, it is not just me making a statement. My life should make that statement. My actions should make that statement. Let's look at this. As fathers who are living a legacy, we must learn to walk in complete dependence upon the grace of God. And so Abram, he gets this word from the Lord. The Lord speaks to him in chapter 12, and he says, listen, I want to make you a great nation. I want to do all of these things. I want to bless you. I want to I have your back. I want to do all this. And so he has to do what? He's hearing of grace. He didn't do anything to deserve it, right? I just told you this guy was an idol worshiper. It wasn't like he was some amazing dude, right? Well, like God said, yep, you know, that guy is a prized possession right there. I'm taking him. For whatever reason, God decides and he chooses Abram and he says, I'm calling you out. And you know what? God knew the man's heart. The man was going to respond. And he does. He responds in faith. He walks away. He does what God says. And so for us as men that are, that are trying to live a legacy, we need to be those who do that. Why? Because God's grace empowers us to live holy, successful, and fruitful lives. I, I, want, I want you to get that. The grace of God empowers us. For, I want you to hear this. It empowers us to live holy holy lives, lives that bring glory and honor to God. Grace is not a license to sin. Are you hearing me? Grace, let me say it like this. Grace is not a license to chill and do what you want to do with your life. Are you here? Grace is not just for you to do. I, well, you know what? I'm under grace. I, yeah, you're under grace. You better be careful when you say that though, because being under grace is a little, is a little bit more scary than even being under the law. 
Because the truth of the matter is, God is here and he's saying, listen, I have come to fill you with my spirit. As a man in this place, I've come to, you know, God has come to fill us with his spirit so we could live holy lives. Holy means separated lives. Lives that really bring glory and honor to God. If I'm going to live a legacy, right, male, female, doesn't matter. But to the men, if you are going to live a legacy, I'm going to tell you something. Living, living a legacy is going to require you living holy. Are you here? The grace of God also empowers us to be successful. And I don't mean successful by the standards of the world because, listen, having everything you want doesn't make you successful. Having everything that, you know, the Joneses have or whoever has doesn't make you successful. That is not it. It is being, you know, you know what being successful is? Successful is finding that thing that God has created you to do and you doing it. Are you hearing me? That's what it means to be successful. And you know what? For some, for some people, that is going to be someone who makes a whole lot of money and has a whole bunch of stuff and that's going to be your success. For other people, that's not where success is going to be. As a matter of fact, if you're making a lot of money, for some people, for some people, hear me, if you're making a lot of money and you're doing all kind of other stuff, that isn't even what God has called you to do. You're not being successful. You hearing me? And so what I'm saying is God wants us to be successful. I'm not saying God wants anyone to be broke. I did not say that. Hello. Because I think that there's two different sides of this token that are equally terrible. One of them is this prosperity garbage and the other one is the poverty gospel. Right? They're both bad because neither one of them are derived from the scriptures in the, in the full breadth of what God does. And so what I want you to realize is that God wants us to be successful. And you know what God also wants? God wants us to be fruitful. That's what the grace of God does. It, it empowers us to be fruitful, to bear fruit, and, you know, to bear the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control. That's what it means to be fruitful, right? To be fruitful in our relationship with non-believers and being able to exemplify Christ, share the gospel with them, see people come come to faith in Jesus, be fruitful in our homes and in our families. And so we have to be those who are doing what? As men, fathers who are, who are depending upon the grace of God. And so how do we show this? We must demonstrate to our children a genuine trust in God's grace in all areas. What do I mean? Well, first of all, I want to say what I believe is the most important area. We as men need to demonstrate a trust in God's grace for our salvation. Are you hearing me? There needs to be, it needs to be crystal clear in our homes that we did not save ourselves. Hello. It needs to be crystal clear to our children that we do not depend on our own righteousness, that we, don't, that, that we didn't save ourselves, that we are not above repentance or anything like that, but that we are saved by the grace of God. Now, that doesn't mean go live like a heathen so your kids know that you need Jesus. Hello. Are you hearing me? That isn't what I'm saying. What I am saying is it is important that our children know, look, how does a person come to faith in Jesus and that we all need that same faith to walk in the, uh, to walk in the faith. We need to demonstrate a trust in God's grace in our marriages. For those of us that are not single dads, in our marriages, we need to demonstrate that we trust God in our marriages. The grace of God needs to be manifested in our marriages when we are, you know, we should be walking in harmony, walking in unity based upon the scripture. We should be doing the things the Bible teaches, and then when we fall short, we should be doing what? We should be confessing. Hello? Same thing in our parenting. In our parenting, we should show a dependence upon the grace of God. We should show that we are dependent. Listen, there should be some times, I mean, I would hope, I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, I don't want to be there, but there, there are some times that you should not have an answer. Are you here? Dads, it's okay to not have an answer. It's okay not to know every single thing. It's okay to say, baby, I don't know. We need to pray or Google it. 
Just make sure the source on Google is good. I'm just kidding. Just make sure, you know, whatever your search engine is that, you know, you go to the right place and you're not led astray. But that we depend on the grace of God. That we are showing our families that. That you know what? We depend on the grace of God in our finances. That we teach our, hey, let me tell you something. We need to, dads, we need to teach our kids how to give. Hello. Are you here? You know, when you start, I don't know how you do it in your home, but, you know, when you start, we have always, always, always taught Alexis. And when Josiah, he don't know nothing right now about money. He doesn't understand any of, any of those concepts. But when he does, we're going to make sure that he understands something, that when you get money, the first thing you do is what? You give to God. The first thing, it's not the second thing. It's not after you get your little wish list done because you know what? That's, they're going to do that if they're seeing that in you. But if the first thing you're doing is what? Is showing them this and you're exemplifying it. You show them that. Why, why, why is it that we do that? Why is it? Where do we get that whole concept of first fruits? Where does that come from? That comes from the Old Testament because you know what? God wanted the people of God to know something. The reason why you have this harvest you're about to have is because of my provision. It's because of me. And so the reason why you give him first is because what? Because you are saying in a New Testament sense, God, I'm giving to you first because I wouldn't have this paycheck if you didn't give it to me. I know someone else signed it, but know this. God's the one who provided it. And so we show our kids that we trust God's grace in our finance. We trust God's grace in difficult times. When you're going through difficult situations, what are you doing? What are you, what are you turning to in difficult situations? I mean, seriously, are you turning to a bottle or are you turning to a Bible? got quiet. The reality is, what is it that we're turning to? When, when things are tough, do we, are, are we flying off the handle? Are we going on? And listen, I'm not talking about a moment when you do that. I'm just talking about like seasons of that stuff. That's what I'm talking about, that we have to consider and think about. Hold on a second. Are we being the men that God has called us to be in the midst of difficulty that we're saying, God, I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything, but I'm going to trust you in the midst of this. And you know what? Let me tell you another place we need, to, we need to show dependence on God's grace is during the good times. See, in the good times, really, really, really recognizing and really making our kids know the situations that we're experiencing that are good is because he's good. It is because of his grace in our lives. Proverbs 13, 22, you can write this one down. I'm sure you guys have this memorized and you know at least the second half you know. Um, because the first half says, it says, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, right? That's what it says there. Second half says, but the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Because I've heard plenty of, not in here, but I've heard plenty of folks quote that and claim that and pray that. The wealth of the wicked, Lord, bring it. Listen, that, I don't think that's what the text is trying to say. But anyway, that's another topic. I want to talk about the first side, right? The first part, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Now, to be clear, he is clearly speaking about a financial inheritance. He's not talking about anything, you know, in that, in that context, this is what what he's talking about. Well, can I tell you something? The greatest inheritance that a dad can leave for his children is a life that demonstrated dependence upon the grace of God. I heard a story of, of, of a young woman who lost her parents at a young age. And um, when she lost her parents at, at a young age, both of her parents at a very young age, she was able to seek the Lord and she was able to pursue God. And, you know, they asked her, how was she able to do this? And she said, man, it was because my parents always showed me that, hey, no matter what goes on, God is good. No matter what is happening. And are we doing that same thing with our children? Leaving that inheritance for our kids that they know how to depend on God's grace because they've seen it in us. The second thing that I ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, Abraham was a man who led his family by faith in God's word. 
Abraham was a man who led his family by faith in God's word. Turn back to chapter 18, and let's look at verse 19 really quickly. It says here, chapter 18, verse 19, it says, For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And so what did he say here? He said, for I have known him. He knew Abraham. That, that's the word yada in the Hebrew, to know him intimately, right? In order that he may keep his children, he may command his children and his household after him. He knew that Abram was going to do this. This, 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 is, this, is, this is a hard thing. He knows him. He reveals himself to Abraham. He empowers Abraham to lead his family to do what? To obey the commands of God, that they keep the way of the Lord, to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord, I love this, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And so we see that, that, that there is this connection between God's foreknowledge and him empowering Abraham in order to lead his family in a godly way. And so Abraham was a man who led his family by faith in God's word. As we saw in Genesis 12, 4, Abraham seemingly didn't hesitate at God's command to leave his family. When we read that scripture, it doesn't say there that he had an argument with God. He wasn't wrestling with God on that, on, that, on, that, on that opportunity. He wasn't like, you know, going to seek like three different counsels from different people. He heard from God and he responded to God. And if you write this other scripture down, later in Genesis chapter 22, God tests Abraham. And when he goes and he's testing him, he, he was testing him to see, you know, to, to, to show him, hey, I need you to respond to me. He tells him to do what? He tells him to sacrifice his son. I want you to understand this because I'm about to say some things about God speaking to us. When, when, when he's telling him there is one guy, hear me when I say this, one guy in the Bible that was told to kill your child. Are you here? Are you here? This isn't like a principle, like all of us are going to be tested like this. Hello. Or anyone else, for that matter, is going to be tested like this, right? There's only one other father that put his child to death. And who was that? That was God the father putting his son to death for our sin. That's it, Right? So it gives us this like picture. But, but what I want you to realize is that when Abraham heard from God to sacrifice his son, you know what the scripture said? The scripture said early the next morning he got up and did it. He didn't wait a week. He didn't wait a month. He wasn't like, hey, let's go have a party. Let's go have a good time together. Let's make sure we have some good memories, you know, just some good pictures in. If he would have had, you know, a camera, take some selfies or some ussies or whatever, right? He didn't do all that. He woke up the next morning. He saddled up, went with his guys, went to Mount Moriah, and he, he, he went over there, and he said, okay, you know, y'all stay down here. Me and my son are going up to the top of this mountain. And he went there to sacrifice him because he was a man that was obedient to God's word. We must learn to respond to God with the same urgency that we see in Abraham. So when God speaks to us, we should do what? We should respond. We shouldn't wait a week, wait a month, wait a year when God is communicating something. Because listen to me now, when God is communicating to us, there's urgency behind God's communication. Are you hearing me? There's urgency behind what God is saying. God is looking for a people that will respond to him. Today, hear me when I say this, when God does speak to us, can I hear an amen? amen. He is a relational God. His spirit dwells in us and leads us. Are you hearing me? Are y'all hearing me? His spirit dwells in us. He is, a, he, he is not a God that's sitting there and saying, read my mind. That's not him. You know, like me sometimes, you know, I want people to read my mind. I know there's no other man in here that's like that. 
I know every other man communicates his feelings very well and you communicate very clearly and your spouses and your children know exactly what you want at all times, right? There's never a moment of confusion or doubts, glory to God. But me, by myself, there, you know, I, I, I sometimes... Once in a while, I wish, and I always say, I say this often, you know, sometimes my wife is, you know, she interrupts me thinking, hello. And she doesn't realize that she's interrupting me thinking, and I don't understand why she doesn't understand why I'm upset. But I was having a deep conversation with myself. I was in deep thought, and she interrupted me with something, right? The, the reality is that God is not like that. God, first of all, let me, let me say this, God inspired 66 books. Are you hearing me? He inspired 66 books to make sure that we knew his heart and we knew his mind. But can I tell you something? Jesus said this. These are not my words. These are the words of Jesus speaking to his disciples. He said something. He said to his disciples that when the Holy Spirit came, that the Spirit of God would do what? Would remind them of what he had said to them. Did he not say that? Are you hearing me? The book of Romans says what? It says that if we are sons of God, then we are led by the Spirit of God. Now, leading is important because that is relational. Someone is guiding me. And I need you to know something. I have a responsibility to you to make sure that you understand that God speaks, but there is a way that God speaks. Are you here? God speaks to us. Now, we understand by the script, not by Jason, not by my opinion or anything like that, right? God primarily speaks to us through his word. And listen to me when I say this. In any other way that God speaks, he will never contradict his word or violate his character. Are you hearing me? So I want you to get that. God speaks. He, he speaks today. He's not, listen, he's not detached. He didn't just say, I want you to get this. He didn't just say, here's 66 books. You figure the rest out. This isn't what he did. He filled us with his Holy Spirit. And now, what does the Bible talk about? Now, here, now, here's some things that I want you to realize. If God speaks to you in prayer, can God speak to you in prayer? In that inaudible voice, it's something that's called an impression. Hello, somebody ever had that? Like, you were in prayer, and you just felt like, man, I need to call this person. You just felt, I mean, you, you felt, felt, oh, there's some, is there something wrong with feeling? Yeah, there's something wrong when your feelings contradict the word of God. There's something wrong when your feelings are leading you astray, yes. But there's impressions that the Holy Spirit, you can be walking down the street. I mean, you've ever, have you ever had that where you're in a place and you just feel like, I need to go talk to that person? You don't even know them. You ever had that? I mean, I'm just saying, like, you know, the Holy Spirit leads us. Not that you're hearing this audible voice. I mean, hey, if you're hearing the audible voice of God, man, some of y'all are more prophetic than the prophets that wrote the Bible. Hello. I'm just saying. But the truth of the matter is, God speaks. But if he speaks to me in prayer, shouldn't contradict his word, shouldn't contradict his character. The other thing, um, through prophecy, someone's speaking to us. Look, the book of 1 Thessalonians, let me, let me say this to you like this. 1 Thessalonians tells us this when it talks about, you know, to, um, you know to, to pray without ceasing and all that stuff. You know what it says there also? It says, do not despise prophecies. Did you hear me? I don't care what you feel. It doesn't matter to me what you feel. It doesn't matter what I feel. It doesn't matter if I think that God can just speak to me directly. You know what he said in his word? This is what God said, speaking to me directly and to you directly. Do not despise prophecies. You know what it says? Test all things. Hold to what is good. That's what it says. Test all things. Because if anybody is coming to me or coming to you with a prophetic word, then guess what? That word needs to be able to be confirmed by the word of God and the character of God. Are you here? Now listen. There's also word of knowledge, word of wisdom. These are gifts of the Spirit. The Bible talks about speaking in tongues and the interpretation of tongues, being equal to prophecy. This is what the Bible, not Jason. 
This is what the scriptures say. And so God speaks to us. So what do we need to be doing? We need to be students of this word. And that way, any other word that comes to us is filtered through this word. Are you here? Then you start thinking, well, God spoke to me about this because I ate something bad last night. You know, I was offended, you know, by someone or something that someone did. And all of a sudden, I don't know about that. You know, I mean, you you know how many marriages, I'm going to tell you like this. You know how many marriages have experienced just destruction because of, of stupidity like that? Because they weren't, they weren't saturated in the word. They weren't saturated in the scriptures. And so they felt other things and they walked away from what they should have fought for. Hello? It's important for us to be in the scriptures. And that we know when God is speaking to us. As fathers, reverence for God in our homes must be of the highest priority. And that is seen in our obedience to God's word. Hear me when I say this. We will never see God's full plan unfold for our lives apart from our obedience to his commands. I'll say that last part again. We will never see God's full plan unfold for our lives apart from our obedience to his commands. You know what he says here? He says it clearly. Look at the end of verse 19. It says, that the Lord may bring to Abram, Abraham what he has spoken to him. As Abraham walked in obedience, as Abraham led his family in obedience, as Abraham did those things, you know what Abraham was going to see? He was going to see the fullness of what God was going to do and what God promised. But if Abraham would not have walked in that obedience, you know what he would never seen? He would never seen the fullness of what God had promised him. The third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, Abraham was a man who lived by faith and God's mercy. Now, in this story here, in in, in this narrative that we're reading here, we realize that God is speaking and he's having a conversation. Abraham, you know, these three men, and, you know, one of them is, is definitely the angel of the Lord. And so we know that God is there and having a conversation. Abraham, you know, brings them food and all that. And then they're going. We know that two of them were angels for sure because they went to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. But he stops and he has this powwow with, with Abraham. And in this conversation, you know, he says, how can I hide from Abraham the thing that I'm going to do? But Abraham does something. Let's read verse 22 to to 33, and then we'll unpack it real quickly. He says, then the men turned away from there and went to Sodom. But um, But Abraham still stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city, would you also destroy that place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes." Then Abram answered and said, Indeed now, I who am, who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than 50 righteous. Would you destroy all of the city for lack of five? So he said, If I find 45, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him yet again and said, Suppose there, there should be 40 found there. So he said, I will not do it for, for, for the sake of 40. Then he said, Let not the Lord be angry and I will speak suppose 30 should be found there so he said I will not do it if I find 30 there and he said indeed now I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord suppose 20 
20 should be found there. So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry. I would have been pretty angry at this point. I'd been like, bro, could we have had one conversation, right? I mean, just like, you know, anyway, and God doesn't. He says, okay, and I will speak but once more. Suppose 10 should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. And so what God does is God declares and he promises that he is going to bring judgment upon the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah because of their sin, because of their unrighteousness, because of their rebellion against God. And, and, what, and what happens is Abraham goes and he doesn't say, man, that's pretty messed up. You're going to destroy this city. He knew that he had someone over there that he loved. He knew that he had someone over there by the name of Lot and his family that were there. And that's the only reason I can think of that Abraham even starts to intercede. But you know what he does? He begins to pray for God's mercy over the city. He didn't live there. It wasn't his city. It wasn't his deal. It wasn't him. But you know what? He goes and he becomes the intercessor for that whole city. And he prays to God. He goes from 50 to 10 has this conversation and most of us would have just been like, all right, God, just for 10 or something. You know, we would just went directly there. But, but Abram does it differently. Or Abraham does it in a different way. He has this conversation with the Lord. And one of the greatest places that our faith is demonstrated is in our prayer life. Now hear me when I say this. Men of prayer are only men of prayer because they realize how much they need God. We're only men of prayer. The reason why you either, A, roll out of bed, whether you roll out onto your knees or you go into a prayer time or whatever it is you do or not, is because you realize or you do not realize how much you need God. That's just a reality. It's just, it's just a reality. And listen, I can speak, again, I speak for me. There are days, and I say it like this, there are days that I realize how much I need God, and there are other days that I forget. And about halfway into my day, I realize, yes, I need him very much. And I regret forgetting in that morning that I should have gotten up and rolled out of bed onto my knees and began to start my day off crying out to him and saying, God, I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your wisdom. I need your direction. I don't know. Look, I know what's on my schedule. I know what I have scheduled out. I know the meetings that I have, but I don't know all the other stuff that you know about. And I, and, and I may be prepared maybe for the meetings that I think I'm going into, but what about the other stuff that I'm not prepared for? What about those things? And even those things I think I'm prepared for. Hey, have you, has anyone ever walked into a meeting they thought they were prepared for? You prayed about it. You thought about it. You, met, you rehearsed in your head every word that was going to come out of your mouth or not. Right? You did role play. You had someone say, okay, I'm going to say this. Now you, I mean, you did it all and it didn't turn out that way. Hello. Right? And so the reality is, it's just us becoming those men who pray, those men who cultivate a prayer life, a life of prayer. See, fathers, I want you to understand this. You and I will make the greatest impact upon the lives of our kids by us spending quantity time in prayer on our knees, not solely instructing our kids. Are you hearing me? I want you to get this. There is a great connection between you and I praying for our kids and us instructing them than us just instructing them. There's a great connection to the power of God because you know what? I don't, I, again, I say this sincerely. I, you know, I, I know the Bible relatively well, I think. I mean, you know what? I still don't have all the answers when it comes to parenting. I don't know every single thing that, to answer my kids and to give. I don't know all that, but I know this much that when I spend quantity, say quantity. I didn't just say quality. I said quantity. All right. You know, a lot of times talk about quality over quantity. Yeah, I agree with that in some scenarios, but can I tell you some guys, we need to get broken before the Lord over our kids. And let me say this, we need to get broken of the Lord over our kids before our kids are broken. Did you hear me? 
Before our kids walk into broken situations, we need to be broken over our kids. And I'm not saying that they're not going to experience brokenness. I can't control that. You can't control that. But what you can do is you can pray them through that. You can pray for them. You can be like, like, like Abraham was when he was praying for this city, when he was praying for God's mercy. And that's the kind of men that we have to be, men who are dependent upon God's grace, men who are dependent upon God's word, and men who are dependent upon God's mercy. What I want to encourage you as, as dads is to realize this, that we need to realize how amazing God is and that in all of his amazingness, as great as he is, the creator of all things, you know what he does? He invites us to join him, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us. He invites us to join the Spirit of God. He says that Jesus ever liveth to make intercession for us and, and join with Jesus to pray and intercede over our children, over our families, and pray them into the kingdom of God. Pray for God's will in their lives. And that, to me, is the most encouraging thing. Amen? Is that we as men can know that we can come before God who doesn't just hear us, but he invites us. He invites us to join him. He invites us to come into prayer. And listen, I want to say this as well. I don't care if you are a, you know, a, 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 a to-be father or if you're a grandfather or a great-great-grandfather. I want you to know that God wants to use you as that man who prays over his families, who prays over his children. And so my closing question is this. What is the legacy you are living? I want you to think about that for a moment. What is the legacy that you are leaving by the life that you're living? What is it? You know, I thank God, you know, and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and, I, do not, and I never want to use myself as some perfect guy because, you know, I say this all the time. You know, I look at my amazing daughter, Alexis, and, you know, everything in this girl's life is God's grace because I am by far a perfect parent. I do not have it all together, and I'm like, glory to God. Sometimes she comes out with stuff, and I'm like, praise the Lord for his grace, because I didn't put that there. The bad stuff, that was me. Hello. But I'm so encouraged that, you know, when I, I, remember, I remember times with my daughter, you know, where she would walk into my, my study. I don't even lock the door anymore, but, you know, I used to have that door closed, and she would walk into the study, and she would see me praying, and I would be able to just pick her up, put her on my lap. And I remember sometimes she would come when she was younger, and she would get on the altar next to me and pray. That was beautiful because she saw that in her dad. Not because he's a perfect dad. He's a guy that really knows he needs Jesus. And even though I forget sometimes, but she caught me in the moments that I remembered. The other day, I was so blessed. I was praying on the phone with someone in, 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 in Josiah's room. And as I was praying, I was, you know, I don't know if you've ever done this. You're on the phone with someone, and you're trying to, like, mime things to your kids. Like, they really understand what you're saying. And so my son walks over. He saw me praying, and I happened to open my eyes. And so, you know, I, I told him something. He comes over, and he grabs my hands. He closes his eyes and starts praying. I'm like, praise the Lord, man. That's so awesome, man. You know? I, 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 I have, you know, these, these moments, and, you know, my hope is that I can, I can live a legacy for my kids. Not perfectly. Listen, if, if there's a perfect dad in here, next, next Father's Day you preach. Seriously. I was going to have Anthony preach because he looks so amazing today, you know. He's just... I look like I'm a, I'm a heathen. He looks like the pastor that should be preaching, you know. It's like, we're going to have you preach. And he was ready to preach, but I'm like, nah, bro, I got to preach. But ultimately, ultimately, dads, I, I hope, and, and listen, I, I, I hope, and I, I know that when I preach, I know that I'm, I'm, I'm tough and, and all that, but I hope that you as men, you realize that you are vital to the body of Christ. I hope that you know that God's grace is there, and the reason why I preach this way is because you, you are called higher than what you even realize. 
And listen, I don't want anybody, I don't want any man in here to feel condemned. I don't want any man in here to feel like you're less than. I don't care where, where you've fallen short. I don't care what hasn't turned out the way that you thought it was. God's grace is sufficient. Jesus, when we talk about the gospel, how does the gospel fit into all of this? Jesus died for sinners, right? Like you and I. And he did what? He rose again after he died for our sin to reconcile us back to God. He rose again for our justification so he could give us a new identity. And what I want you to know is I don't care what you feel about yourself. God says that you can be his son. If you're not his son today, and if you are his son, then you need to walk as his son and be everything that God has called you to be. Amen? Come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy. So I'll stand to our feet real quick. If there's, a dad, if there's a dad around you, I just want you to put a hand on him as I pray. I was going to have the dads come forward, but I just want you to reach a hand over. Put a hand on a dad. If your dad's in this building, put, put, put a hand on him. Um, you know, just, just, just put a hand on a father right now, and I want you to just, as I pray, I want you to pray for them. I want you to pray for God's grace in their lives, that they'll be the men that God has called them to be. Amen? All right, Father, we thank you so much for these men, my God. We thank you so much for these dads that you have brought into this place today. I thank you for each and every one of them, Lord God. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that I know that you are working in each and every one of our lives. Father God, I pray for the dads in here that do not know you, God. I pray that you would strengthen them. I pray that you would fill them and draw them unto you, my God. I pray for the dads in here that are struggling to know their identity in you. Lord God, I pray today that they would have heard your word, that they would respond to you in faith, and that they would become the men that you've called them to be, my God. I pray against all of the ill plans of the enemy in the lives of these men, my God. I pray that you would strengthen each and every one of them in their faith and their walk with you. Lord God, I pray against the lies of the enemy that would try to belittle, or Lord God, bring them down, but Lord God, raise these men up, Lord God. And Father, we stand in the gap today, Lord God, for the men that are not in this place, Lord, the men that... Lord God, a part of faith dome, Lord Jesus. Father God, we pray that you would draw them to you, that you fill them with your grace. I pray for those dads that are struggling in their faith today. Lord God, fill them with your power, my God. Glorify yourself in these men in this house, Lord God. May your kingdom come and may your will be done in every one of their lives, Lord God. We pray this in Jesus' great name. And everyone said, Amen. come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy.